This week, we begin a new sermon series called Acts of Generosity. It's based on the book of Acts. And today's scripture lesson describes the actions and the activities of the first generation of followers of Jesus. Listen for how their acts unfolded in a way that changed the world. From Acts chapter 2, beginning at verse 42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings and fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. Awe came upon everyone because many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. All who believed were together and had all things in common. They would sell their possessions and goods and distribute the proceeds to all as any had need. Day by day, as they spent much time together in the temple, they broke bread at home and ate their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having the goodwill of all the people. And day by day, the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. May God bless this reading to our understanding. When I was in college, my roommate was a very meticulous about managing our dorm room finances. She was a stickler about it. When our phone bill came, for example, she explained to me that first month that she would pay the extra penny one month and I would put the stamp on the bill that month and the following month we would switch. This bothered me, not only because my roommate came from a family that had a wealth of financial resources, not only because she borrowed my car almost every week while hers was back home in the garage, it bothered me because it felt stingy. In one of the first churches that I served as a clergy person, there was an elder in the congregation who came one day to the church staff to talk to us about what we might be giving to the church from our own financial resources. Now, he was a bit of a curmudgeon, but he was very devoted to the church and very generous with his financial resources. He explained to us that every month, the first check he wrote was to the church. And then he looked at each one of us in the eye and said, you all got raises this year, and you haven't all increased your giving to the church. I squirmed in my chair. I fidgeted with my pen. I was so uncomfortable. I barely had any money, and I felt guilty that I couldn't be more like him, that I couldn't give more, that I couldn't commit to writing the first check every beginning of the month to the church because I was also committed to paying off my student loans, to paying my rent, to paying my car payment, and honestly, there were months when there was too much month at the end of the money. How is it that we grow in our sense of generosity? How do we cultivate generosity within ourselves? Today's scripture reading from the book of Acts describes an incredible sense of generosity. In the message version of what we read, it says all believers lived in a wonderful harmony, holding everything in common. They sold whatever they owned and pooled their resources so that each person's need was met. It's not just that they're generous, they're joyful about it. They gave with glad and generous hearts. 
they seem so passionate about sharing what they have with each other. If you read this section of the scripture in its entirety, it just feels like there's a mighty wind blowing through them. This is not a group of people plodding through their life of faith. It is not a ho-hum faith. So what is the secret that they hold? What is the secret to their generosity? They're certainly not feeling manipulated to give, not forced to give to satisfy someone else's pressurized sales pitch. They are not stingy with the stamp or the extra penny. They are giving from the heart. They give because they can do no other. Today's story about giving comes from the first account of a group of people in scripture who followed Jesus after he was crucified. This scene that we read from today comes 50 days after the women found the tomb empty, 50 days after Jesus appeared behind closed doors and showed his nail prints in his hands to doubting Thomas, 50 days after he appeared on the road to Emmaus to his friends and broke bread with them and their eyes were opened and they recognized him, 50 days later, the church, was born. The Spirit of God that was alive in Jesus now springs to life in this group of people. Luke, the Gospel of Luke, tells us the story of how God acted in Jesus. Acts, then, is the sequel written also by the same author telling us how God acted through the people. The same God that was acting in the life of Jesus now acts in this group of people. And in the next four weeks, we will look at how they acted, how they behaved, how God acted in them. This is the story of how the Easter message becomes the Easter people. In today's text, we are told that they devoted themselves to four activities, to teaching, to community, to the table, and to prayer. They didn't have what you and I now think of as the scriptures, not even a series of scrolls all assembled together yet, but they did have Christian teachings and Christian teachers. So they studied those teachings and they devoted themselves to learning about this way of life. They also devoted themselves to something that the scripture calls koinonia, and we don't often know exactly how to translate that word in English to capture its meaning. Sometimes we call it fellowship. That seems a little watered down. Sometimes we call it community, which might get a little closer. Sometimes we call it friendship, but that seems so private. I like the word sharing. They devoted themselves to the teaching and to the sharing, or our young people might say to hanging out together and they devoted themselves to the table, not just to what you and I just did by sharing the bread and the cup, but they devoted themselves to sharing a charcuterie platter, popcorn, pizza, potlucks, dessert parties, coffee gatherings, to the sacred conversations that uniquely unfold when we sit down with other people at the table. And they devoted themselves to prayers. Now, if you look at where we are in the Christian story, it will be 300 more years before they write a codified theology. You know, things like the Trinity and the virgin birth and what really happened at the resurrection. Before theology is formed in the Christian community, we have actions 
the way they practiced how they acted each day. And they did it by learning, sharing in friendship, eating at the table, and praying together. What about us? What are we devoted to? We are clearly devoted to our faith, or we wouldn't be here in this room. But what else are we devoted to? I know you, and I know many of you are devoted to family, to taking care of one another, whether it's little ones or siblings or older members of your family. You generously care for one another. You're devoted to that. But what else? Some of you have jobs, and you're devoted to doing a good job at at whatever career you are participating in. But other than our faith and our families and our jobs, what else do we devote ourselves to? How do we spend our free time? According to the Wall Street Journal, we spend the majority of our leisure time watching television. The Chicago Tribune reports similarly that Americans spend an average of five minutes a day volunteering, an average of five minutes a day on religious and spiritual activity. We spend quite a bit more than that on sports and recreational activities, 22 minutes. But on television, three hours and three minutes a day. Well, I know what you're thinking. The people in the Book of Acts didn't have television. They didn't have Netflix. They didn't have Amazon Prime. They didn't have any of that stuff. But surely they had other distractions. And the scripture tells us that they devoted themselves. They prioritized. They focused on learning, sharing in friendship, breaking the bread, and praying. So what about us? A recent podcast describes the quiet catastrophe of our time as social isolation. We don't hang out with people. We don't have people over. We are too much alone. We are too lonely. We are not breaking bread at the table. I I know we live in different times than did the ancient people in the book of Acts. I I know we live in a different world of technology and in a fast-paced world, but my hunch is that we are just like the ancient people. When you boil it all down, we are like them. We are people hardwired for generosity. For example, a study was done in 2014 of toddlers. I'm talking like three years old. They took the toddlers and they gave each of them a treat. And when they did, they just lit up. They were so excited about this treat. And then they gave them a little extra bag of treats and a little stuffed monkey. And they put them in a room and ran a video camera and watched them. And even happier than the moment when they got the gift themselves was the moment when they reached into their little extra treat bag and gave the toy monkey the treat. And then they just beamed being able to be the one who was the giver. But what really made those children smile was when they took the treat that they had been given as theirs and gave it to the toy monkey. We are people hardwired for generosity. We are generous people. A while back, I officiated at a funeral. 
The family posted in the obituary what often gets posted, please, no flowers. But sometimes people send flowers anyway. They didn't read the obituary or they just want to send flowers. I was standing in the back of the church when the family arrived for that funeral service. And sitting there on the table was this gorgeous, beautiful, lavish bouquet, big spring flowers of all colors. It was just lovely. And when the family came in, they saw it, and the husband walked over and grabbed the card to see who sent that beautiful bouquet. And when he read the card, his jaw dropped open. What's wrong, I said. And he said, the woman who sent these flowers has no money. I mean, really, she has nothing. But she so loved my wife. She was such a good friend. And she sent these gorgeous flowers. She was, they were overcome, the family, with the generosity. And so I remembered that day that generosity comes not because we have a lot, not because we have means, but because it is simply how we were created. A week, almost two weeks ago now, Ralph Jarl drove over to 115th Street to pick up his twin brothers. Only 16, still learning to drive, he made the mistake that many of us have made. He went to street instead of terrace. And instead of the homeowner answering the door and saying, oh, you have the wrong house, your twin brothers aren't here, you probably meant to go to terrace instead of street, it's an easy mistake, your brothers are probably just a block over. Instead of that, the homeowner shot him twice. And a GoFundMe was started to pay the medical bills. They thought they might need as much as $250,000. And perhaps you have already heard in the news that that GoFundMe has now topped $3 million. Why? People are so generous. Why? I see it happen here at church all the time. I remember in the early days of COVID getting phone calls at my home office, people saying, we don't know what's going to happen. We don't know what's going to happen with the stock market. We don't know if people are going to lose their jobs. But we have the ability to finish paying our commitment to the church this year. We could even prepay next year's gift if that would help. Or maybe there's a family that's without work. Maybe we could create a COVID fund and help them. And we did. I remember a few years ago when the Easter offering was decided as a tiny house. You know those little tiny houses that they build for homeless veterans? And someone on the outreach committee had the brilliant idea that we would bring one of the tiny houses here to the chapel parking lot and park it there so that before and after church, people could walk through and see these tiny houses where homeless vets could become housed vets. And that was one of the largest Easter offerings we ever had because people's hearts were moved in that direction. It seems to me that when we look at the story from Acts and when we look around our own world, we see that we give our money to what it is we are devoted to. Generosity is a byproduct of devotion. Everyone is generous but what are we generous to? We are generous 
to what gladdens the heart. We are generous to what we have invested our time into. We are generous to what we have fallen in love with. We are generous to what we have devoted our lives to, generous to what we deem as ultimately valuable, ultimately important, ultimately governing our lives. I had a friend who told me many years ago that she was toying with the idea of taking this Bible study class at her church, but she told me she was afraid. I said, well, why are you afraid? Is it too much homework? Is it too much of a weekly commitment? It's, it's a long class. Maybe it interferes with carpool pickup with your kids. I mean, why are you afraid? And she said, oh, I've got plenty of time. I, I can do the study. I, I really want to learn what's in the text, she said. But I'm so afraid that if I take that class and if I really read the scriptures, that God will call me to go to Africa. And she said, I don't want to go to Africa. <laughs> but she took the class, and she was right. God did not call her to Africa, but Africa came to her. Five years after she took that class, God called her to do something that was deeply challenging, personally demanding, and extremely meaningful. And she did it because she had devoted herself to the teachings of Scripture, to prayer, to community, to sharing in friendship with other people. And her heart had moved in that direction. Now she could do no other. This I believe, is how God works. God has already made every single one of us generous. You were born generous. You are made in the image of a generous God. The only question is what will we devote ourselves to?